ESPN LA 710. Welcome to the experience here on ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack. The month of July includes family vacations, warm weather, sporting events, and fun-filled outdoor activities for most Americans. But there are various precautions for both adults and children to keep in mind while playing or working during the summer season, especially when it comes to injuries and overexposure to the sun. Dr. Judy Wen is a family practice physician with Monarch Healthcare in Laguna Hills, and she knows all about the various challenges the summer months can bring and how people of all ages can enjoy the outdoors in safer and healthier ways, especially in this heat. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wen. Well, thank you, Affirm. Now, you went to UC San Diego, your undergraduate degree, and then you went into the military. Can you talk about that journey? Well, definitely. I was, you know, I'm a native Californian, so UCSD was just kind of the natural choice for me. And from there, when I was applying to medical school, um, I looked at military service because I come from a long line of military, military family, different Everybody in my parents' generation was military in one form or another, Air Force, Navy, you know, um, Army. And so it was kind of a natural transition for me. And that's really where I get a lot of experience with heat because my first full duty station was Las Vegas. I was there for two years back in the early 2000s. And, yeah, we see heat in Vegas for half the year. So very familiar with it. So did you ever have to deal with maybe heat stroke or, you know, the conditions of uh, being in too much sun? Well, definitely. And we have very, um, we have precautions for all of that. You know, a big part of, if you hear the, the old army slogan, you know, we do more before say it yes. than most people do all day. Well, there's a reason for that. When it's hot, you do, you start at five or four in the morning when it's still cool. When, you know, even when it's hot in the day, it's, you know, 80 degrees, 70 something versus, you know, 100 and something. And that's why we do everything in the early morning. Um, all physical activity, when we know it's going to be what we call a red flag day, which basically means usually after eight or nine o'clock, no activities outdoors unless they're absolutely necessary happen in the morning. So, you know, being military, you know, exercise is a must. Yes. And that's a daily. So that starts at 5 a.m. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, when you're nice and cool, then you can get more done. You know? <laughs> but it's also from a health standpoint, it's a lot more healthy, too, to get your exercise in the morning because it just primes you for the day. That um, makes me feel much better because I always, when I heard that, I was like, dang, I am so lazy. I need to get up, get up at four, get in the gym by five. Yeah, but that mm-hmm. really makes sense. And when I see, like... When I see like young people jogging in the middle of the day down Wilshire Boulevard, I'm like, what are you doing? It's the middle of the day. It is so hot. Well, I mean, depending on how hot it is outside, it really just is not recommended. Even when you are, you know, a healthy 19 year old. um, Yeah, I've seen people fall out. I used to work in the ER or be in the ER in San Antonio, and that's where we train. enlisted come in and yes during the summer we still train and 
granted, you know, during the day we're not doing the exercise component, but even just walking around from one building to another in the heat is a physical strain. Mm-hmm. It, it really is, you know, important to stay indoors when the temperature gets above about, you know, 90, 95, especially not so much here in California, but in other places where there's humidity along with it, because that actually makes it harder for your body to get rid of excess heat. Because how you get rid of excess heat, you know, to cool yourself is by sweating. Mm-hmm. And if it's very humid out, like in Florida or you know Houston, Texas, then your body's not able to get rid of that excess heat, and you're actually more likely to get heat stroke. Okay. Yeah, did not know that, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I I have seen like a lot of football athletes falling out during the summer when when they're training for you know the season. What is it that can cause an extra amount of stress on a youth's, you know, body that makes them fall out? Well, I mean, it really is mostly just dehydration. There's physical exhaustion, too, and heat exhaustion. But, and I mean, we do see that in sports do, you know, with football, especially in high school football, they usually start around August, September. And for California, it's not quite as hot as it is in other places, but the schools do typically have a place where if it gets too hot, like above 90 degrees, then that stops. But even when it's not so hot, when it's 80 degrees and you're exercising with all the gear, there is that danger. Because a big part of it is you're sweating, all of the clothing is trapping that heat in you. Mm -hmm. What the schools are pretty good about doing and, you know, sports teams are very good at doing is making sure that the athletes are not just being hydrated with plain water, but um, like your Gatorade, your power, your electrolytes. Mm-hmm. It's very important in order to maintain fluid in your bloodstreams that you actually have electrolytes, you actually have salt. You know, here in this day and age, often with a lot of high blood pressure, people are told, oh, you, you got to restrict your salt. But if you don't have that, then you actually need as much salt as you can get when it's hot, especially. Your body, your kidney, a healthy kidney knows how to get rid of excess salt, so you don't have to worry about that. And that's really a main way of preventing that heat exhaustion, too. It's just not just hydrating with water, but hydrating with electrolytes. Now, Dr. Wynn, coming upon this weekend here in Los Angeles and beyond, we asked our Alexa, Alexa, what's the weather this week? And she was like, well, this is going to be 110. You guys better get inside and stay (laughs) stay inside. we're like, what are we going to do? 110? And I agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> and I, well, was... I mean, I live in Irvine and it was 112 yesterday. Right. So it, it, it has already hit. <laughs> but yes. it, right. It was it was uh, 110 here. But in the car, when we got back in the car, the, the temperature said 124 in the car. Yes. And I, I yes. mean, I well, have that's... never seen that before. <laughs> well, I, I gotta say, I, I since I was in Vegas, that's very common, and that's why. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, um, you, you, know, you usually close up your car when you get out of it. But when it's hot like this, you actually do need to let the hot air out. <laughs> so, if you have a sunroof, 
you actually want to crack it a little bit because heat rises. So the hottest heat will actually rise and leave the car. Yes. <laughs> and usually I recommend letting that stay open for like the first <laughs> minute when you're running your air conditioning so all the hot heat can get out and then you close it. Well, you know, Dr. But it Wynn, is one of those things. Yes, but you know, common sense isn't common, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you would be surprised how many people like run in to get something and leave someone in the car. Oh. Imagine sitting in the car at oh. 124. That and I'm not talking about just kids. Definitely, you should never leave kids in the car, no matter what the temperature right. is outside. But adults and teenagers too. You know, you're like, oh, I want to just do, you know, something in, on my phone. You know, my mm-hmm. son is classic for that. It's like, no, I'm just. You go in. I'm gonna just be on my phone. And I'm like, no. When no. it's I mean, when the weather's like 70, yes, you can do that. But right. when it's 100 and something, no, you got to go inside. You stay, you know, exactly. the minimal out- amount of time outside as possible. Exactly. Is what you got to do. Now, Dr. Wynn, we are talking about summertime fun, but making sure that we stay out of injuries and sun exposures. Can you talk about some summer injuries and how best to manage and treat? the range of activities or sports um, injuries that we may have from the sun? Well, definitely the main thing is, you know, having your safety gear. So sunscreen is a part of safety gear because if you're in the sun, the risk of sunburn is definitely there. And, you know, really, if you're going to spend more than five minutes in the sun, and I say, really, if you're going to, first thing in the morning, I put sunscreen everywhere that is not covered by clothing. That's, that's my role. You could either... You know, sunscreen can be either clothing or, you know, your traditional zinc sunscreen. And what percentage and really of just, that is like, because my husband, I think, I think he gets 70, I think, or 50 or mm-hmm. 50 or 70. What should we? So the key with, well, the key with SPF is that it needs to be more than 30. And depending on what type, if it is a barrier sunscreen, made with basically zinc oxide or titanium oxide, you know, the traditional stuff you put on your nose and it's white, the bullfrog, Mm -hmm. then as long as it's on your skin, you don't need to reapply. But if it is a chemical sunscreen that actually gets absorbed into the skin and it gets used as your body is metabolizing it. So even if you start off at 70, two hours later, you only have about 5% activity left. So that's like a three and a half percent. So with those, the key is reapplying. Okay. So you've got to reapply every two hours if it's not a zinc or titanium oxide. But also if you're going to be in water, if you towel off, you got to make sure you reapply. Because even if it's zinc, that towel is going to take some of it off and you have to reapply. And the biggest thing is you got to apply enough most people don't apply enough sunscreen when they're applying it for a whole body. Like if you're wearing just a swimsuit, you really need to use about an ounce. So if you've got an eight-ounce bottle and there's eight people, that thing should be empty after wow. the first round. Wow. You know, or if, yeah, so it's it's quite a bit. And then you've got to keep reapplying. Now, if you're not going to be at the pool and you're in, you know, clothing, depending on how much of your skin is exposed, then, you know, you've got to, it goes accordingly. Mm-hmm. This uh, young lady uh, that I know, I went over to her house the other day. She opened her door and she was wearing like a a tank top and her arms were as red as lobsters and her chest and her face. And I'm like, oh, my 
goodness, what happened? She was like, oh, she went paintballing and forgot to bring some sunscreen. And I was just standing there with my mouth open going, oh, my gosh, like it looked so painful. But I mean, you you forget sometimes and then you're just out there and then, you know, what does that do to the skin? Well, I mean, literally, you're causing a burn of the skin. So, you know, usually that redness, if it gets to a second degree burn, will blister and hurt an awful lot. So, you know, as soon as it's happening, you want to cool down the skin with like an aloe. Um, Now, very important, if you're getting aloe from a bottle, make sure it doesn't have alcohol in it or else it'll burn your, you know, burn your skin, irritate the skin even more. So like the fresh aloe is really best or really just... Um, sitting in, just like we would treat a burn, submerging it in cool water. Not cold, but, you know, temperature around like 80 degrees or so. That'll help dissipate the heat. And definitely, you know, when you're just, you you forget your sunscreen, that happens. Mm -hmm. I have it in the car at all times, multiple bottles, actually. But um, then you want to keep your clothes, you know, all your skin covered in clothing. You know, wear extra long sleeves. You know, if you have sleeves, Roll them down. Don't roll them up, that type of thing, because that will provide some amount of sun protection. Mm-hmm. Even clothing that doesn't specifically say, you know, SPF 50 has some SPF to it. It just, you don't know what it is, but it's got some. Mm-hmm. And definitely, whenever possible, you know, wear clothing that does have F- SPF and so that you know that those parts of your body are protected. And the other thing, you know, having like young kids. Uh, I make sure that my son wears a swimming shirt along with his, you know, mm-hmm. his long shorts, you know, swim shorts and stuff. Yeah. And then I apply it to his neck and his face and everywhere. Uh, can you talk about what yeah. it does to kids? Uh, like my son is five. So if you have a young kid that's exposed to, you know, the sun at that level. Well, definitely. You know, we definitely the initial thing that we worry about is the degree of burn, but secondary to that, too, is that if you're getting these sunburns, especially young kids whose skin are very sensitive and growing, that actually damages their DNA in those skin cells. That's why you get skin cancer older. It's not, you know, the 50-year-old that has melanoma didn't get, you know, that sun exposure necessary in the last year. Most likely they had it when they were in their teens and 20s and so forth. And it's cumulative. The more damage you do to your skin, to your DNA, then the more skin cancer we see. And that really is the number one cancer we see period across the board and especially as our population is getting older you know when the average age was 50 something we didn't worry so much about it but when you know we lived to be you know 80 and 100 you know starting in the 60s we started seeing a lot of skin cancer even in people who didn't have an exorbitant amount of sun Mm -hmm. and I've even seen 18 year olds with melanoma due to you know in this case in particular due to tanning beds Oh my goodness. So not just, you know, the usual, but it does, it, you know, and some of us are going to be more um, genetically predisposed to it than others. You know, if you have light, bare skin, enjoy it. Don't, <laughs> yes. don't go for the tan, you know, you know, you know, 
all skin types are beautiful. You got to embrace what you're naturally <laughs> given. Is what I say. Exactly. So, yes. I mean, even if if you're porcelain, yes, you can get a tan, but at what cost? Exactly. You know, later in life, and it's not. So yeah. Yeah, my my friend is Irish, and he's like, even if he puts on a lot of sunblock, mm-hmm. uh, he yes. still burns. I mean, it's like amazing. I'm like, exactly. I don't get it. How can you still yeah. burn? Yeah. You put on half the skin. Well, and the key, yeah, he's pretty much can have the steak covered. And I mean, but and you said, you know, like exactly right. He's Irish. If you've been to Ireland, even in the middle of the summer, it doesn't really get above like seventy five too much, <laughs> you know. And it's yeah, it doesn't get too hot. It doesn't get too sunny. It's actually you know, perfect weather for Irish skin. Right. But then you move from Ireland to Southern California, where even the winter is warmer than it is in the summer there, mm-hmm. and you got more sun exposure because you know, we're so much closer to the equator. Yes. Then, yeah, you, know, you have to take precautions accordingly. And Dr. Wen, so you might not know this about me, but I have a high melanin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have high melanin. Melanin? Okay. Um, I'm like, what? I don't, I don't need sunblock. I don't know. And then I went out. And my face started peeling. My nose started peeling. My cheeks started peeling. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. they're like, so you, oh, black folks don't yeah. peel. Yeah, we peel. Yeah. Well, it's not so much that, because you won't turn red, but you turn kind of... Um, Ashy, a no, little I'm bit more joking. brown. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's. I mean, and the color is very different, and so mm-hmm. you don't see it the same as if you know you're Irish and you just turn red, and there, it, you very much know. But yeah, the peeling does basically mean that that's a second degree burn. Oh my god! And despite um, you know Africa, to, you know, being close to the equator, that doesn't mean there's no melanoma. There's no melanoma. Mm-hmm. The rate is definitely a lot lower. But I've had black patients who've had melanoma, too. It's just not going to be at the same rate. The rate is about one one hundredth of if you were Irish, but it's not zero. Now, wh- so when- you still got to pro- yeah, protect yourself. You wear yes, the hat. You got to protect your skin. So, OK, so when I was uh, looking at um, some inf- information on the Internet regarding this interview, Dr. Wen, uh, I was going over what the cancer looks what skin cancer looks like because a lot of athletes get it because of course they're out playing you know in the sun and that's that's and and even if you put on sunscreen it's going to sweat off so that's you know kind of where the reapplication process goes but also i mean there's when you say skin cancer is very broad i mean melanoma is the type we worry about the most because it's the most deadly but there is also basal cell that is very sun-related. Um, that's mostly what we see on faces and arms, sun-exposed parts of the body. You know, ears, because um, people forget to put sunscreen on their ears mm-hmm. or the back of their neck. You know, men like it. You know, I've had patients who've had um, skin cancer on the back of their neck. And what that will typically look like is first you'll get kind of it looked like a lesion that just didn't heal, yeah. like a little pimple that didn't that ulcerated and it didn't heal. Um, I tell my patients anything that doesn't heal over the course of two weeks, I need to see. Period. Really? Because that has a high rate of being like a basal cell, and it needs to be biopsied. Yeah, you get it, and sometimes it is. You think you got a scratch or something because it's on your arm and you're in the garden, 
And that happens, but a scratch heals over the course of two weeks. Anything that doesn't heal is going to be the number one thing that you need to go see your doctor about. But have you seen... And then on the other... Oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. And then the other thing we, you know, we really teach is what we call the ABCDEs of skin cancer. So A is a lesion that is asymmetric. So it doesn't mean it has to be perfectly round. It could be oval, but if it looks like it's got a little projection coming out of it, if there's no way for you to put a line through it and it be the same on both sides, that's asymmetry. Hmm. B is if, um, if it bleeds. Any lesion that bleeds, the doctor needs to see. C is color in that if it has more than one color within it. So if it's nice and brown, but there's some black spots or blue spots within it, that needs to be seen. Hmm. Um, D is diameter. If it's more than five millimeters, so like the back of an eraser, mm-hmm. you know, the traditional yellow pencil, with, if it's bigger than that, then your doctor needs to see it. Um, and then E is erythema. So it's not that the lesion is red, but if you look at it closely, if you see a little red ring around it, and especially if it's a dark lesion with a little red ring around it, mm-hmm. that's usually tiny little blood vessel blood vessels feeding the melanoma. Oh. The melanoma grows so fast that it'll actually form, you know, it'll stimulate blood vessel growth, and that's why you see red around it. Really? Um, the other caveat to that is sometimes you'll see a white ring, what we call a halo. It's because the melanoma is growing so fast that it actually draws all the pigment from the surrounding skin cells, and so you'll see a white a white ring. So if you see a red ring or a white ring around a pigmented lesion, that definitely needs to go, you know, be seen yeah. by your doctor. So uh, when when you say this, because you know, I was looking when I was looking at the pictures on the internet, it's some look like freckles. Yeah. And how can you tell? Like, you know, my you know my my friend from Ireland, he has a lot of freckles. So you. Yeah. You know, it's like... Well, a big part of it, if you do really have a lot, and especially if you are of um, high risk just because of, you know, ethnicity, then it's important to really maybe see a dermatologist or your regular doctor on a regular basis to look at them. You know, usually we do that as a part of your physical exam. And just look in anything that I think that is, you know, more suspicious, I send to dermatology for biopsy. Oh, my goodness. And it's one of those things that it's important to biopsy more than less. It's not, you know, the dermatologist is what we say is only about 5% of what you biopsy should be positive, that that it has cancer in it, or else you're not biopsying enough. Because if it's... Lower than that or higher than that. So it's like half of your biopsies are positive. That means you're probably missing a bunch. Wait a second. Okay, so, so you're saying you're saying if I go to the dermatologist and they biopsy, um, and it was fine, mm-hmm. then they did a good job. Because I'll have patients come back it's like, well, they biopsied all three of these, but they were all normal, so I don't want to have any more. It's like, no, that's what they're supposed to do. Because, you know, they'll look under the little scope and you can see so much there. But, you know, that may mean they just caught it before it really made those changes. But the general rule for, you know, us in medicine, what we try is that only about 5% of your biopsies should be positive or else you're missing some. In order to catch it all, 
Mm. We need to biopsy anything that just looks a little bit off because sometimes you're going to miss them. And there's been patients where I've sent to dermatology who had very, quite honestly, very normal looking lesions. Mm -hmm. But the reason I set them is because they're in places that are atypical for a mole or a pigmented lesion. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one girl had it, actually the one that was 18, had it just on her side right where like the bra would cover. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not really a sun exposure. You shouldn't get freckles there. Oh. And it wasn't a brown lesion where, you know, freckles are going to kind of have that light brown color and mm-hmm. freckles, you know, will decrease, you know, the color will go away in the winter and get darker in the summer because of sun exposure. Well, this was a dark lesion that she didn't have there the year before. Oh, wow. And so just, and it wasn't quite honestly that big, but I knew that, you know, in her case, she does like to um, do the tanning bed. So I just wanted to make sure. I thought the tanning bed was... uh, I I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be cancer, but I just knew she was high risk and it was a new lesion and that was enough to have it biopsied. Now, if I just looked at it and said, yeah, that looks very normal because it did then it would have been missed and, you know, yes, over the course of the next six months to a year, it would have doubled in size. It would have done some of the other things. Oh my you know, goodness. by the time it bleeds, it's probably metastatic already versus in her case, it was caught very early and all they had to, you know, they, she didn't need chemo or anything because it hadn't gone anywhere Oh yet. my goodness. So she was really lucky. I thought they but, would just cut you know. it out if, if it, meta- is it metastasized? Yeah. Like, Skin yeah. cancer? So, yeah, well, they, they would just cut it out when they see it, but depending on how big it is and if it's spread into blood supply, oh, then we have to check God. to make sure that it hasn't gone through the rest of the body. In her case, it hasn't, so she didn't need any of that. Oh, but um, that's why it's very important to try to get it when it's small before, you know, early. So how do you... Um, melanoma. Go ahead, Melanoma. Melanoma is still one of those cancers that are just very deadly. You know, we treat it very well. There's lots of new therapy in the last, you know, five, six years that have been able to really extend the life of melanoma patients because traditionally, if you had metastatic melanoma, melanoma that's gone beyond where it originally was, has gone to the organs, had gone elsewhere, gone to the, you know, bone, the brain, your life expectancy is six months. Oh. And now we do have people living on chemo and therapy, you know, four or five years out. But, yeah, they need, need to stay. We can keep it at bay, but it's one of those, those aggressive cancers are really, once it's spread, we can't get rid of. Like, how did I not know this? I thought, seriously, I thought, like, you, okay, if you get skin cancer, they just go in and they cut it out and you're fine. But, I, well, I guess it's just like every and, other cancer. And traditionally, the... The ones that are not melanoma, that's why melanoma is so deadly. If you're talking about your squamous cell skin cancer or your basal cell skin cancer, that typically is it. And depending on how far it's spread, they have to, you know, cut around. And so that's why sometimes you'll see um, older patients with weird-looking scars. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. 
usually that's because they have skin cancer. Oh, you know, I just they had to be removed. Yeah. So that's what I, okay. So the reason I, my mindset is, oh, they just go get it cut out and they're fine is because I know a lot of people that just went and got it cut out and they're fine that like they didn't need any type of, you know, radiation. Yeah. And yes. And with squamous cell and basal cell, they don't tend to go to the rest of the body nearly as much. And so that's typically what the treatment is. And those are definitely more common than melanoma also, you know, but melanoma is the one that kills um, basal cell deforms. Oh, wow. And so does being in the summer sun or just in the sun, um, does that aid to like if you do have you know, basal cell or, or squeamish cell, does it make it spread faster? It doesn't make it spread any faster, but it's that it is um, cumulative sun exposure. Okay. So if you've already had it, I mean, that's, that means you've already reached kind of um, your boiling point. A little bit more, you're going to see more and more. Right. So you try to minimize any additional exposure. You can't, you know, we can't go back and change the past, but we can always work on the present so that the future is better. So, Dr. Wen, do you see that a lot of athletes are taking more precautions and and having the their sun risk factors diminish um, because of, you know, all the work you're doing and you teach both you know, well, you teach at the at the osteopathic medicine of Pacific of uh, Western University, correct? Yes. Um, well, I have in the past. Okay. Currently, I'm no longer on staff there okay. or associate associated with them there, um, just because it's just been a little bit busy. But yeah, I take and mostly with that was I was taking um, medical students in my office. You know, it's kind of a part of you know with medicine, you know. Mm-hmm. Doctors in practice when I was in school took me in, so I take students in to, you know, to to show them what I teach in my practice to my patients and how I, you know, my my version of family practice, I guess is what I call it. Yes, because yeah, I look at medicine very much as teaching. Yes, you know, there's that component of prescribing and doing, you know, all of that, but. I find, for me, the most important part is that I need to relay what I know and, and to some degree, what I think about certain things to my patients so that they understand why I'm ordering something. Right. You know? Which you is know, smart. Why, <laughs> you know, we need to treat your blood pressure or why I tell you, you know, to use sunscreen or those types of things. Yes. Uh, Dr. Wen, can you talk about like the exposure, more exposure to sunlight? Because sometimes when it's overcast, that's that doesn't mean that you won't get burned. No, exactly. And especially during, you know, depending on certain times of year in the summers, even when it's overcast, you're actually still getting more UVA, UVB rays because of where the sun is relative to our part of the earth than during the winter months, even though here in California, yeah, it could be, you know, 85, 90 degrees in December, but 90 degrees in December, you're not getting as much sun as, you know, 90 degrees in June. Mm -hmm. So definitely all through the year, you need to wear, you know, sunscreen, but especially, you know, from about, 
well, really all year. I don't want to give a month right. to start wearing <laughs> sunscreen and stop, but all year round. Right. But, you know, you, you need to be more diligent during the summer months to reapply. And I know that there are uh, sport companies that are making um, the athletic wear that is breathable so that you don't get dehydrated as much or your your skin is yeah. able to breathe. <laughs> Yes. Well, if air gets in there, then it allows the sweat on your skin to evaporate versus sitting on your skin and absorbing. So it's a part of like the wicking mechanism of how it wicks the moisture off of your skin. And with, you know, depending on the one, some of them do have some amount of SPF, you know, associated with them too. Mm -hmm. So it's very good to use. Um, and then in regards to hydration, uh, I know we just had a barbecue uh, with some alcohol. Yeah. Can you talk about the effects of alcohol, the sun, and, your, you know, hanging out at the barbecue? Yes. yes. Well, definitely alcohol is going to dehydrate you. So, you know, if you're having a barbecue when it's 70 degrees outside, you know, 75, and you want to have a drink, that's not going to be an issue. But if it's uh, 90 something, 100 degrees, I would say abstain from the alcohol. <laughs> and really, not just the alcohol, but also things like tea and things with caffeine in them, because oh. that'll further dehydrate you. Now, that's the time for the cold lemonade. Oh, right. So, uh, Doctor, when, you know, we're talking about, you know, staying safe in this heat-related atmosphere, um, I was telling you before that, you know, a lot of California, California's burning, <laughs> and there's a lot of smoke. Like, this afternoon, I'm going to a, a swimming party, but I am mm -hmm. concerned that there's going to be ash in the air and, you know, my five-year-old yeah. breathing in the ash and swimming. Can you talk about that exposure yeah. as well? I mean, I would definitely say if you can see the ash in the air, you should stay indoors. So, you know, depending on how close you are to where a fire is, it's really, you know, staying away from that area, staying indoors. Mm -hmm. But the other side that we don't necessarily think about um, is if you're asthmatic. Oh, right. And you really do need to stay away from it because it will trigger asthma attacks. Definitely whenever we have a big fire, even if it's not that close, even if it's, you know, 20, 30 miles away, I'll see more of my asthmatics come in with asthma exacerbation too. Mm -hmm. So if you're asthmatic, you need to be extra careful. If you have a maintenance inhaler that you've been controlled and haven't needed to use, but if there's a fire near you, you may need to start using it. You know, mm -hmm. if you're on something like Singular or to help control your asthma, but you're not uh, needing it or haven't been needing it for the last couple of months. But if there's a fire, you know, five, 10 miles from you, you may want to start using it mm -hmm. just to keep, you know, your lungs under control because we could, we forget that component. Right. Sometimes really my controlled asthmatics don't come in to see me until there's a fire. Really? So that will really irritate the lungs. Yeah. And now even if you don't have asthma, just like you said, you're a five-year-old, you know, you have sensitive lungs. That's why you're going to be coughing more. If you're coughing outside, 
go inside. That's going to be a key. That's your body's way of saying, yeah, I don't like what I'm breathing in right here. Mm-hmm. So pay attention then, to your body. And really inside. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And your body will tell you, you know, your eyes will start to burn. I know. You know, I'm sure you've seen that. I mean, yes. sometimes even when I'm just near, there's no fire. I'm just barbecuing in that smoke. And yes. I'm like, okay, it's time for me to, you know, turn away type of thing. But if that's happening, if there's something irritating in the air, you need yes. to, you know, take yourself out of that environment. But even this. And when you're indoors. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. But even this morning when I woke up and my husband woke up, I woke up and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my head. Why is my nose burning? And then, you know, I checked out yeah. the Twitter and I saw everything's on fire. And then okay. my husband yeah. started sneezing. He's like, why am I sneezing? And I was like, because L.A. is on fire. It's hot. Uh, yeah. It, and are you guys indoors or are you even we were indoor. at all? No, we were, we were or, indoor and we had that. windows open? No, because it's so hot. But we had yeah. that um, air purifier on too. So I had a, Fire. I, yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I would definitely say is, you know, turn on your air conditioning. Because mm-hmm. there's, you know, the whole house air conditioning systems also have filters. Make sure you're changing your filters. You know, usually oh, it's yeah. quarterly, usually for asthmatics. I tell them at least once a month you should change it oh, wow. if you're using it because that will help filter that out of the air too oh. because there are going to be, you know, your house can't be completely blocked. You close all your windows definitely as much as you can, but there's going to be ways for little things to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, the attic usually has... Um, a way for hot air to get out, which means other things can come in through that sometimes too. And, you know, but I would say use the air, if you have air conditioning, use it. Even if it's not necessarily hot, like right now, you know, everybody's using it because it's hot. But even in the spring, sometimes when we have the fires, I'll tell my patients that it's like, yeah, when the air quality outside is not good, you got to close up all, you know, close up the house. And run that air conditioning, even if you're not needing it for cooling purposes. It's so that you can filter the air. Yes, this is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with a Dr. Judy Wynn. Talk about summertime is fun. It's a fun time, but watch out for injuries and sun exposure. Now, Dr. Wynn, we talk about, you know, traveling and travel health. Can you tell us, you know, what we should look out for when we're vacationing? Definitely. Um, and actually, I was just going over this this with my son. We're going to go to Disney World in a couple of months. And one of the things you got to think about is where you're at. Because California, we don't get a lot of mosquitoes, mm-hmm. but other places do. So making sure that you got insect propellant if you need it, where you're going. Oh, right. You know, because bug bites can transmit diseases. And then just appropriate clothing, just, you know, if it's going to be hot where you're at, yes, maybe a lot of thinner layers, but that you're keeping the skin covered, making sure that you pack sunscreen. Wherever you're going, I'm sure you can buy it too, but it's always good to have with you. Um and just making sure, depending on if you're just traveling um, stateside or abroad, if you're going abroad, depending on where you're going, I mean, there are things you have to worry about, like malaria even. Mm-hmm. So just knowing where, you know, what you need to have ready for where you're going. 
um, usually abroad. I tell patients to look at the World Health Organization website and they'll list, you know, what's recommended, whether you need certain vaccines for that part of the world, if you need malaria prophylaxis, and specifically what type, because they do monitor the resistance profile for malaria throughout the world. Um, but all of those types of things. And then depending on where you're at and what the water quality is, is you may not want to drink the water. You know, here stateside, we're fine. But, you know, a lot of um, third world countries don't have the water system that we have, don't have the sewage system. So things are not nearly as clean. So you have to... You have to worry about not just drinking the water, but what you're eating. If you're eating fresh fruits that are going to be washed in non-purified water, then you just contaminated it. Oh, right. So just watching for those types of things. Uh, most of the time, if you're staying at a big hotel, you know, wherever you are in the world, they have their own water purifying system so that it's all set. But, you know, those are the things you can ask depending on where you're going, you know, what their system is there. Right. Because we take so much for granted. Yes, here, we do. You know? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, really, I mean, I don't worry about drinking water from the tap, mm-hmm. you know. I don't do it often. I usually have a, you know, I have a water purifier, but if I'm out, you know, I'll drink from a drinking fountain, but, you know, I wouldn't recommend that in other countries necessarily, depending on where you're going. Right. And that was one of the things for, I believe, wasn't it the 2016 Summer Olympics when everybody was so concerned about the water in Rio and what the athletes may contract, you know, being in the rivers yes. and the oceans and stuff? Yes. And I mean, and it's one of those things that, you know, I'm sure with the Olympics, they monitored all of that quite well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't have that sort of monitoring when we're going on vacation. Yes. So, you know, it's up to each one of us to check out where we're going, you know, check out where you're going and see what precautions need to be done. Yeah. Um, right. Be accountable for yourself. Yeah. Usually if I'm traveling outside the country, I bring my own water filter. Oh. You know, you can just pour water. You know, they have the ones that are portable. Mm-hmm basically looks like a water bottle. Mm-hmm. So wherever you're getting water, you pour in from the top and it comes out the bottom and that's the part you drink. Does that really so, work? You know, a little extra. <laughs> Does that it, really work? Well, I don't know. I know depending, <laughs> depending on the ones, yes, very much so. I mean, okay. it's very similar to like a reverse osmosis system depending on, and that's the one I have, and it will purify everything. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I might be a little bit extra careful than most, but I always say, you know, I'd rather be extra careful and have a good time than get sick and have that ruin my vacation. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wynn, for all of the information you provided. Can you provide us with some top tips? I know you provided us with a lot of tips, but if you can provide us with some top tips of being healthy and active in this heat and uh, staying safe. Well, I would say definitely it is important to get, you know, some sort of a workout every day. But when it's hot, do it early. Do it before 7. You you might lose a little bit of sleep, but, you know, get out there early or work out indoors. If you're going to be outdoors, definitely you need to be completely covered. Wear your sunscreen and enjoy your activities. But if it's really hot, 
try to make sure you plan activities indoors versus outdoors. You know, right. being as hot as it is going to be this weekend, maybe better to go to a movie theater than the beach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. There's lots of great movies out there. I know. So, you know, <laughs> so that's the thing with summer movies. They always come out with, you know, really great ones. So, you know, cool yourself in the movie theater. Exactly. You know. Me and my sister, when we did that when we were younger, when we were in Chicago, we would like watch three, four movies during, you know, the whole day just because it was so hot and we didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And during the hottest times of the day, like between about 10 and 2, definitely you don't want to be outdoors. That's the perfect time for a movie. (laughs) Yes. Well, Dr. Judy Wynn, thank you so much for all you have shared with us to keep us safe, to keep our skin wonderful and uh, cancer-free. Again, family practice physician with Monarch Healthcare in Laguna Hills, Dr. Judy Wynn. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Laferne, for having me on your show. Uh, I'm Laferne Cusack. This is ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.